Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Rob Gilmer. Rob, how are you doing today? Doing well, Grayson. Thanks for asking me to be here. So we have a question for you today. It should be an easy one because you're the only one that knows the answer probably. What kind of ice cream are you eating these days? Do you eat ice cream? I do. I do. I eat a uh, low-carb chocolate ice cream. Okay. And it's better than it sounds. So where do you find this low carb? Uh, it's it's in most grocery stores. Okay, it's it's a it's a common brand. Uh, it's not low fat though, but it is low carb. So would you clue us in on what this is in case someone needs a low carb ice cream? <laughs> well, you can go to your dairy case, and I'm not going to talk about the brand name because that would be promoting the the brand. But uh, you can go to the the ice cream case. And it's a very famous brand, and you just look, and it'll be pretty plain. Okay. Well, I'm going to go and try to figure it out. If not, I'm calling you. Okay. All right. <laughs> she won't like it, though, because you said it was plain. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you can add nuts to it and, okay. and, and you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do. Does it come in vanilla? It comes in vanilla. It comes in Neapolitan, and it comes in... Chocolate. Okay, so Grayson and I will be okay with it. Yeah. Grayson will get his vanilla yeah, ice cream. That's it. You, you can yeah. add all the, the things yeah. that make it more flavorful. Yeah. I will. He won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, if you'd like to just start out telling us a little bit about where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up. Okay. Uh, I was born in Harrisonburg, and uh, I lived, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, when I went away to college, and I guess I was 18, I had lived in 13 different houses. 13 different places. And that was a function of my father was in sales. And back in that time, you climbed the corporate ladder by taking other jobs and and they would move you. So I lived a lot of different places. I wasn't raised in a Christian household, but there was a period of time, uh, probably early schoolboy days. I think my parents were seeking. So we went to church for a while. And uh, I used to go to the kids' church, but there was one Sunday, you know, for some reason I didn't go, and I I know why now, but there was a a message, and, you know, I was a kid, so how much could I gather? But I do remember the message, and part of it it was, Nazareth, what good comes from Nazareth? And, you know, I kept that in the back of my mind. I was maybe eight years old uh, until, until I was saved at 55, so that was purpose in that. So anyway, uh, like I said, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian household. And when I reached my mid-teens, I really rebelled. And I got into everything that you could possibly get into. Uh, then later, I met Sue, and uh, we formed a relationship. And at that point in my life, I had a really bad drug problem. I was a cocaine addict. And I um, had overdosed before. And uh, I wanted to marry Sue. And she said, I'm not going to marry you like this. You're going to have to get treatment. So I did. And fortunately, God put me in with people who, who could figure out what made me tick and challenged me. What the counselor did was, you know, she came up with this contract. And I had to write down wh- where I was in life about my addiction. And I listed six people. And if I didn't go to meetings, if I didn't say sober of other things, there was a letter in there that would be sent to all six people. Wow. 
Wow. (laughs) Telling them where I was. And that was pretty good incentive. And plus I had the incentive that I loved Sue and I wanted to marry her. And God's purpose was there. So, you know, life went on. And uh, after we got married, we thought we should go to church. Every young couple should go to church. Sue grew up in the Lutheran church. And so we went to Lutheran church. And I I went through catechism. And I was baptized. I'd never been baptized before. I was probably about 25. And, you know, I'd say in that time of my life, I tried really hard. But it just, it just wasn't the right time. I would say that purpose was to, in the back of my mind, the gospel, knowledge, information. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we didn't fit in there for one reason or another. So I, I actually pulled Sue away from the church. And, you know, I'm not happy about that. But, and so we drifted back into a very secular life of, you know, what you do. You work and you consume. And that time of my life, it was uh, all about things I could count. And that's where my identity was. So... Also, I've, I've been in a family business, and so that really became my identity, owning a family business, uh, work, proceeds of work. And that, that went on for a while, and I developed a drinking problem, which is no, if you have an addictive personality, you're going to be addicted to something. So, so it ended up being alcohol. And at age 50, I was a functioning, high-level functioning alcoholic. Even though I started to drink during the day, which is something I promised myself I never would do. But at 50, I developed type 2 diabetes. And, you know, when that happened, you wouldn't think that the Lord would be involved in that. But, boy, he was. Because what that did was, number one, I stopped drinking. Because, you know, diabetes and high alcohol consumption is a death sentence. So I stopped drinking. And I also knew that I needed to begin to exercise. So right across the street from my business is the Valley Wellness Center. So I went to the Wellness Center, and resistance training, weight training is good for diabetics because you use your muscles. So I hired a trainer. Guess what? My trainer was a Christian. And so he began to witness to me, and he witnessed to me eventually five years. During that period of time, I injured myself because I had a very addictive personality. So I exercised hard six days a week. And if I didn't do anything on Sunday, I felt guilty. You know, I'll just throw this out. If you're into something and you do it all the time, and if you miss a day, you feel guilty about it, maybe think about what you're doing. So anyway, I injured myself, and I went to a massage therapist because it was a shoulder injury. So guess what? She's a Christian, too. So we get to, we get to know each other. We spend an hour with one another every week, and she had a similar testimony. She was a Christian. She had had problems with alcohol. She was, um, you know out ready to become a diabetic and there was something really wonderful about her even though she didn't talk a lot about Jesus there's just something special about her and I I know what that is now so anyway over a period of time we got to know each other it was probably about two years my friend's witnessing to me he invites me to church he invites me to all the things his wedding invites me to a passion play over at Cornerstone in uh, Stewart's Draft and I remember at the end all of a sudden, the cross pops up, and there's Jesus, and he's bloody and beaten. And I look at that. It's like, and that made a, a tremendous impression. So never think that bringing your friends to church or to an event, it's not meaningful. It is meaningful. So my massage friend, I get this email from her, and it was a group email. She had been diagnosed with a very serious, rapidly occurring aggressive cancer. And she asked me to pray for her. not only me, but everybody in the chain. And, you know, I really felt close to her. And so, you know, I never really prayed. And so well, when do you pray? Well, you pray right before you go to bed. So I knelt by my bed and I prayed. 
you know, very simple pray, Lord, heal Laura. And then from there, Lord, give the doctors wisdom, her family. And I did that for a while. My friend's still witnessing to me in the gym. And then one night I pray, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to believe. Now, I made that prayer for a while, and it was an earnest prayer. Uh, My friend invites me to church, and I say, yes, I go. And, you know, all I can say is that it was a good experience. Now, walking out of the sanctuary, there was a little side table with a notepad that said prayer request. And, you know, I don't know if your name is on something. Sometimes your eye's drawn to it. And my eye was drawn to it. And this is where I was at that point. I said, huh, how come I'm only number three on the list? <laughs> and, and, and then also, what right do those people have to be involved in my life? So obviously it wasn't my time. I, I, there were some things that needed to be worked out. Time goes by. My friend invites me. I'm doing that prayer every night. Jesus coming to my heart. I want to believe. So uh, my friend invites me again. And I go a couple weeks later. And uh, the pastor there, Paul Collins, Harrisonburg Free Will Baptist, he knows something's happening. And so he has a very traditional sermon, a very traditional altar call. And I, you know, I, I started to get out of my seat, and I sat down. I started to get out of my seat, and I told myself, I said, Rob, this is too big of a decision. There's a price to pay for this decision. But I felt like I was being pulled on both sides, and I was, between heaven and hell. And so I go home, and I saw my friend Tuesday at the gym, and I tell him about it. And he says, just don't worry. Just be patient. And so that night, I, I go to bed. I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, I'm a businessman, I always have a lot of things on my mind, and so I wake up at 2, and I start thinking about my life, where I am, what I am, and over that course of that night, I realized that you know my life was meaningless, my life was shallow, I had no joy, I had no peace. There was really no reason to live. And I drifted off to sleep after that, who knows? And this part sounds strange to some people, but anyway, uh, I have this dream. In this dream, I'm kneeling for a blazing figure. And I'm seeing the figure because I'm kneeling, and also I'm back looking at this whole scene. And this figure is blinding light, multicolored light. I could feel a looming presence, and I could hear this gentle voice say, come, come, come. I wake up, I don't know how long, and I feel completely different, completely different. I go in the bathroom, first thing in the morning, I look in the mirror, and my face is glowing. And after that, I've never been the same never been the same. I went to the gym, told my friend. It was a sweet a sweet moment. Now, my friend that passed away, the, the lady we, we prayed for, she passed away on Christmas Day. And I remember the funeral. You know, I was walking around. You know how sometimes you're in a group, a crowd, and you overhear a conversation. You wonder, like, why did I hear that? Well, I heard someone say, you know, that Laura was such a wonderful person, a wonderful mother, loving, caring person. What good comes out of that death? And I'm not saying one life was traded for another. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I knew at that moment that the good that came out of that death was that she asked me to pray for her. Mm -hmm. And I did. And when I did, that opened up the channel to God for him to do the healing work. That's such a blessing. And the beautiful piece in all of our stories is connecting the pieces of heaven and earth. You know, it's to realize that Jesus comes near through the Holy Spirit and um, does this work. And when God's people are praying heaven down, you know, like she did, and knowing that there was something so different about her. And, you know, God numbers our days. 
and to know that he allowed your paths to cross, you know, and he allowed, you know, for her to reach out and ask people to pray for her. The wisdom in that for her and think of the rejoicing in heaven. Oh, yes. Um, over one lost, you know, one lost person coming to Christ. Um, and she was able to join in that. And there's there's something else to this story. The, the, the church, I went the first time and I said, you know, what right do these people have to mess in my life? I found out later that they had been praying for me every week for two years. Wow. So there's the another power lesson. power of prayer. That's right. But there's, there's power in prayer, but it is, we pray and we trust God with the timing. There is some weight in that. Um, But they didn't give up. No, they didn't. And that's such a message to all of us here and those listening, that we can't give up praying. We can't uh, be discouraged in that, but know that it's in God's timing. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, Rob, I'm just going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. Sure. I don't want to fill in any pieces in between, but uh, you're currently at Dayspring Church of the Nazarene, but before going to Dayspring, you ended up here at Church mm-hmm. of the Nazarene in Harrisonburg. So if you'd like to share how you ended up here. Well, um, the, the friend of mine that was the, uh, the guy in the gym that witnessed to me, he invited me into the church. He, he and his wife were members there. And uh, for one reason or another, they decided to leave. So, you know, he, here were my, <laughs> my protectors, my, my buddies. And then all of a sudden, pff, they're gone. And, of course, everyone, everyone else was very loving. I'm not implying that they weren't. But I was there for a while, and I just began to sense God's will that I needed to go somewhere where I could serve, because pretty much all of my life, I had been pretty self-centered, very self-centered. So I needed to go somewhere where I could give back, so to speak. And the church where I was was small. There, was, there were opportunities. But anyway, I ended up here, and um, it, it was funny. My very first day, I walk in. And I was very traditional. I had on a suit and a tie, and I was all polished up. I walk in, and the very guess who was the first person that came to greet me? And they're sitting at this table right now. <laughs> I guess it, it was Pastor Mark. It was. And she said, hey, how you doing? And I, I think I asked the question, you know, about a Sunday school. And so she took me to Pastor Jim's Sunday school, and she said, now make sure afterwards you come into the sanctuary, I'll come get you. I said, that's all right, I can make it. So that was my first day. And then I came the next week, and I went to the worship service first, and then I went to Ron Garber's Sunday school. And that was that was one of these things you realize you're in the right place because I met Ron, and, and you know, we exchanged names, and he said, uh, do you know any of your forefathers? I'm like, that's a weird question. I just met the man. <laughs> And I said, well, the only one I remember is Abe Gilmer. And he said, was he from, yeah, he, he, he was from there. Are you coming back next week? Yeah, Lord willing, I'll be here. So I showed up next week, and he handed me a folder. It was the genealogy of the Gilmer side of the family, all the way back to Northern Ireland. And I found out that we settled here in the 1740s. And I, I look at this thing, and I'm like, okay, thank you, but why? <laughs> and he said, well, you didn't pick up on this. My wife, Liz, you and Liz are cousins. I said, oh, okay. And even as dense as I was during that time of my life, I thought, well, you know, maybe that's a sign that I should come back to next week. <laughs> so, you know, you keep coming back week after week after week, and you're available, and then God begins to use you in different ministries. 
the first ministry I was really involved with is with Pastor Margaret and Celebrate Recovery. And, and that was a blessing in the sense that I could use my experiences of, of all the different hurts, habits, and hangups that I've experienced and be able to help men coming in and other people. Also, it was, you know, since I was so immature, it was an opportunity for God to refine me. And boy, there needed to be some refining. And he did. And uh, it, was, it was a blessing because then I could use things that I learned and celebrate recovery and other ministries I was involved with here at the church in my new place. So uh, you know, Harrisonburg, when I showed up, after a while I began to realize, especially when I knew God had made a call on my life, that this was a place that I was supposed to be for a season, to learn, to grow, to try to absorb everything from so many wonderful, talented people that wherever God put me afterwards, I could use that. I could use that. You know, there was a time that you came to me in the midst of your time here at Harrisonburg before you were called Today Spring and mm-hmm. are now the associate pastor there. But I remember you saying one day that, because people were like, well, what does immaturity look like? Right? Like, right, what does that right. look like? And I just remember you coming to me one day and you were talking about like you had been a part of a ministry, but then you were feeling pulled away from that. Right. Is this the right church? Is this not the right church? But I remember you making a connection that I think really helped you in your growth and in your journey. When you were a young boy, you moved how many different places? 13. 13 different places. So you never really had that home base Mm -hmm. that was pulled away from you every so many years or months. And you realized that you needed a home right? and that you needed to settle because you felt unsettled because you had never understood home because of how much you had moved as a kid. Like that's one of those, I think we could put that somewhere in a hurt or a hang up. Like there's things that happen to us in our early formative years that tend to follow us to our adulthood. And we go around that same mountain. We do that same thing. We go down the same road. We fall in the same hole type of idea, and we don't know why we do it. And I think that was a huge moment for you to realize, oh, I'm taking something as a child that I dealt with, and I am placing it over the grid of my life as an adult. Mm -hmm. And I just remember you coming to that place where this is home. Well, yes. And, you know, as a child, when you do move quite often, you, after the first couple times when you're hurt because you leave your friends you leave you at that situation, you begin to, when you get into a new situation, you're only going to allow people to get so close mm, to you. Yeah. You're going to put up a wall. And so you can never fully give yourself. Right. Because you know you're going to get hurt. And that can carry over to adulthood. And I do believe there are, there are people who have a hard time making close relationships. And perhaps that's part of their background. They've been hurt by one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they don't allow people to get close. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember that. I was so impressed in how you took the pieces and you connected them to your life. And that's what Celebrate Recovery helps us do, right? Definitely, definitely. So, Celebrate Recovery, I know I listened to Nathan's testimony a couple weeks ago. And I remember the first night he came in. And at that point, I was with a newcomer. So I sat down with him and, and, and we talked. And there were other people, too, that I sat down with. And I could see in that program over a period of time how they change, and in subtle changes like they begin to smile. Mm-hmm. They begin yeah. to laugh. They begin to fellowship. And you could tell that God was doing a wonderful work in their yeah. life. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a front row seat to watch God 
transform lives yes. and my life too, not just other lives. For sure. But the lives of the leaders are transformed as well. So you went on to be called to the ministry, go through mm-hmm. classes. You're still working still towards in. your ordination. Um, talk to us a little bit about the transition of call, being here and deciding this is your home, and then God beginning to open you up to... Well, it began in... Uh, it started happening in stages. I, Because of the lostness in my life and so many people in my life are unsaved, family, friends, business, everywhere. And rightfully so. You know, I was unsaved for, for a lot of years. And, and so I, I began to have a, a desire to go out and evangelize. So that was sort of the first step. So I, I went out of the church and did street evangelism or evangelism at fairs and so forth. And that got me outside of the church to see where people are, who they are. God used that to share his word, and there was fruit. And so that really opened up my eyes to say, wow, there's, you know, there's a real big world out there. And, you know, what's going to happen next? So over, over a course of time, it was interesting how God had used the pandemic to make a lot of this happen. Because I remember when we came back to church and we were open, and back in those days, you know, we sat like way far apart. Yeah. <laughs> we had our masks on. Yeah. Some some people still do. Hey, the, whatever makes you comfortable, you know, that's fine. And also the sanctuary was pretty dark back then for some reason. And the service was a short hour. And afterwards, people just like, phew, they took off. And I just really craved fellowship. So uh, I had been to Dayspring before. And I looked on, I don't usually look on Facebook but I did, and I saw that Joe and Krista were, were going to lead worship. And I'm like, you know what? I really enjoyed them. I really liked Joe and enjoyed being in the choir. And so I went, and it was it was really what I needed at that moment. Um, I really felt the power of the Spirit. And so I started coming back. I, I came to our church for the morning. I came there. They were at 11. And I just did that week after week after week after week. And uh, I, I had an opportunity to speak because Pastor Margaret had an opportunity to speak, and she had a conflict. And so I ended up taking that spot, and the people liked it, and they responded to it. And um, Doug Wade, the lead pastor, he asked me to come back. And so I came back, and uh, Doug has some health issues, so we, we met a couple times, and there was a real need for someone to help him. Not that they necessarily needed me, they just needed someone. I just happened to be that person. And so... You know, it just, it just started to develop organically, and finally we got to the point where I saw the door open, and I, I saw this was the place. And I met with Doug. This is really strange, another one of these weird stories. I went to uh, the dollar store on North 42 to pick up Bibles to go evangelize at the Augusta County Fair last summer. I went in there. They didn't have any Bibles. I never realized the ministry, we had all kinds of Bibles somebody had given us the day before. So I went in there. I walk out the door. Guess who I walk right into? I walk right into Doug. Doug says, I never go to this store. I said, the only time I ever go to this store is for the shoebox. And so we start talking. And I said, you know, Doug, I think I'm, I think I'm ready. But, you know, I really need a reason to come because, you know, being a district license, a district really doesn't like you to move around. He said, well, Rob, you're going to be my associate. I said, okay, let me pray on it. So Sunday I, I came and said, yes, this is what I feel like God wants me to do. And since then I've gotten to know Doug, and we have so many similarities. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, it's, you know, of course he has a lot more experience than I do, but we are very much alike. Yeah. Yeah, Doug was a Sunday school teacher here in my formative Mm -hmm. years, the younger years of my Christian life as an adult. And he had such an impact on me and it's really blessed me to be able to have someone who's been here and to be a part of the ministry here to go and to support him. And I know that's been a real, it's just been an, for such a time as this, it's been a good thing for everyone. So, and you know, there there is something that that the God has impressed upon me is that uh, you know, no matter where we are in in let's say our age, because it does seem to be a common thought amongst Christians that once they reach a certain age, you know, they, they whatever that age may be, they think at that point in their life, it's time just to settle in and wait. And, you know, that's not it at all. I mean, all Christians have a ministry. Now, you may not be on the street corner sharing the gospel. You may not be in the pulpit. You may not be in the back. But you have children, grandchildren, neighbors, friends, someone in your life that God has placed in your life for the time of sharing your faith, sharing your faith with kindness, with love, and waiting on God's appointed time when you share with your mouth in the gospel. So never think that you're over the hill. Oh, so true. You know, I can go back in my life to a neighbor. She never told me that she was a believer, um, but she treated me with such love and mercy and ice cream, which didn't hurt anything. (laughs) And she uh, was killed in a car wreck when I was about 12, and it was a huge loss in my life. But when I think back to my childhood and I think back across my life, there are people like that lady, whose name was Margaret as well, that just I can look back and I know that God placed them in my life for a season. Not everyone stays in our lives forever, and that separation can hurt. But we can look back and I can look back and know that, man, God placed them there for that season. And he places us in people's lives for seasons. It goes both ways. Yeah, and the Lord calls us all in the Bible to be agents of reconciliation to whoever we come in contact. We don't know. They might be the only person that knows Christ that they ever come in contact with. We don't know. I mean, I know the Lord has ways of revealing himself to people, but we want to make sure that we don't miss any opportunities to be a witness. It talks about how we should be careful with our encounters with non-believers to be a good example of Christ to those people so that you know, maybe down the road, they'll look back. Like Pastor Margaret was saying, this neighbor of hers never mentioned that she was a Christian, but now looking back, Pastor Margaret knows that that's what was different about her. So, Rob, just in closing, just anything else that you would like to share, maybe that we haven't asked you already or that you haven't shared already? Well, this process of being at Harrisonburg was a joyous time, and, you know, leaving, you know, you're, you're leaving your home. I guess it's akin to being kicked out of the nest, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And so for and this would be part of that story is that waiting on the Lord, being patient. You know, we're in the season of Advent. And Advent is basically about waiting. Right. And I believe that waiting, waiting properly, is a powerful sign of our worship. Mm. A lot of people don't think about waiting as worship because they think worship has to be sometimes very active. But worship is glorifying the Lord. And so when you wait on him and his perfect will, even though it's difficult, even though it's painful, 
but you do wait, and he creates that moment for you, and you're, you're obedient, and, and you follow through. That's worship. Yeah, and it, it's easy in the waiting to lose focus. Yes. Um, and, you know, sometimes um, in our waiting, we can look around and believe it's other people that are making us wait, right? right? But right. it's actually God. And surrender, when you talk about waiting, it's a, to me, that's surrender. Yes. That's a daily, sometimes a moment-by-moment surrendering whatever it is that is so precious to us um, that we want, that surrender to God in the waiting for that thing. Because that thing will never bring us the joy. Um, If we get it too soon, we can continue to, instead of waiting, we're asking. And so it's beautiful. Um, Your testimony, Rob, um, I've been here at the church and have had the pleasure to walk with you and to watch you grow. And it has been a beautiful thing. Um, Just recently, we had the opportunity to sit down Mm -hmm. and talk and God makes all things new. He is so faithful as we wait. And God's used you in so many other ways that we haven't even talked about today, just different ways of ministering to those that watched online. And I even mentioned to you before the broadcast about the first year you came to this church, you were one of the two people that Dad mentioned in his district reports about highlights of the year. And you're continuing to serve him and serve the people at Dayspring there as an associate pastor. So thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you, Grayson. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as uh, Rob Gilmer has shared his testimony, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.